I got scared. arrested at a Gino's in in Raleigh, a pizza place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't scared because I was I was determined that I would do what I could in order for us to obtain our freedom. Hello everyone, welcome back to Objects in the Mirror. That's right, Objects in the Mirror, the podcast that asks the question, as it concerns the racial history of our country, are the objects in the mirror closer than they appear or not? So great to be back with you. In this episode, I have my great aunt Margie and my cousin Geraldine. They have a lot of great things to share. A word of caution, if you're listening with young ones, there is some racially explicit language between the 17th and the 18th minute mark of the podcast. This is a great episode. I really, really enjoyed it. As always, like, subscribe, review, Share objects in the mirror. Hope you enjoy. So, what, what type of work did you used to do? Uh, work in the house, you know, housework, like cleaning and washing and, and all types of work like that, on and stuff like that. And they pay me about I say about a dollar a day. Sometimes get seventy-five cent a day. Mm. And that would be what I would make. And then sometimes had to get after doing it, had to walk home mm. during this time of cold weather like this. They didn't care nothing. Well, they didn't care nothing for you. Just get the work done, and sometimes you'd have to walk on home. Then Mr. Dawn, we worked for him. My grandmama would house about Aunt Phoebe's cheering and Uncle Bud's cheering. All of us was on one row, and she would be sticking potato wine, you know, and we all would be on the road, on the that same road. And she would fix, fix a pan with all our food in it. And we'd get out and work. And look, he wasn't paying us but 75 cents a, 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 a week. Mm. Yeah, you know that was no money. It, was this when you were a child? Yeah. Uh, and you worked cleaning homes as an adult? Yes. And then uh, I was dropping potato vines for my grandmama. She would be sticking them, and me and Aunt Peavis here, and we would be, uh, you know, we'd be dropping them. And he wouldn't pay us. Well, he paid me about 75 cents a week. Now you know that was love. Well, um, so when you worked in the homes, you know, as an adult, uh-huh. how, uh, I mean, how were you treated? Oh, uh, well, they would treat you all right, but, you know, like this, they wanted, they worked done like they wanted, you know, like washing and ironing and making up beds and, and, Changing beds, you know, and stuff like that. But they treated, they treated me all right. But 
You know, it was like this. They didn't pay you nothing. You were just there and wouldn't pay you nothing. And they wouldn't even give you food, you know, like people would usually give you your dinner and stuff. You didn't know what that, they didn't give you nothing like that. Just do their work. And when you finish, they might not bring you home. They wouldn't bring you home. Sometimes you had to walk. Just had to walk. Yeah. Depending on the day. That's right. That's right. And cold, cold, and like cold like the day you had to get out and walk home. Do, um, have you, so could you tell from a, from a little, going from a little girl to, you've lived around here all your life? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you think, do you think things have changed? Oh, yes, it changed a whole lot to what it was, you know, back in them times. Because we make more money and we, they treat us better, you know, than what we was when we was little children, you know. Mm -hmm. They treat us much better. But during the time when I was a little girl, didn't even know what treating was. They treat you like you was a criminal. But, yeah. but that is because of Deronda at a certain point the federal government got involved. Say it again now. At a certain point the federal government got involved. And um this was after slavery was supposed to have been uh, done away with. The federal government got involved, and soon after the federal government got involved, minimum wages became a part of uh, of of the law, whereas they couldn't just work you for nothing, you know, like they had done before. Uh, in slavery and so forth. And slavery was done away with, uh, I forgot who, probably on the Roosevelt. Uh, it was uh, a law that, law became regulatory, whereas everything was regulated. Your pay, children, they could not, because at one time, uh, if you were a tenant farmer for a person, they thought that they owned you and your children. Mm. They didn't own you, but they they felt that uh, they could make a demand of you to uh, to work and and have your, f your whole family work for. Because I remember when um, my granddaddy was a farmer, and every one of us worked. From five years old, six years old, and uh, you would work. And if it was a holiday, it seemed like to me they would deliberately tell you that you had to come to work. And because they told my granddaddy that, he felt that he had to have the, he had to work for the money, you know. So 
that meant that all of us, we didn't have our freedom, really. Slavery was supposed to be passed away. We, they, wouldn't give you they wouldn't pay you nothing, and you had to have some means of taking care of your family. So you did a lot of work for much of nothing because you knew that you were not going to get paid, and you could not take care of your family if you did it. So you did it after you did it because of uh, survival. You did it because of survival. You worked for nothing because of surviving. You had to have something. Um, and the pay that you get lets you know what you're worth to them. Mm-hmm. And you were worth absolutely nothing to them. All day they would stay in their big houses and so forth. And you stayed in little shacks and so forth that you tried to put together with whatever means that you were getting to supply yourself with a place for your family to live and to take care of them. So that let you know that you were considered nothing, you know. You were considered absolutely nothing. As you know, uh, a person was considered, a black person was considered as not even a a whole person at one point. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds of a person. So um, it took... And even after um, slavery was done away with and uh, they were promised a mule and I forgot how much, whatever it was. 40 acres and a mule. 40 acres and a mule. But they they were never given that. Yeah. They were never given that. Now, on my side, they always say this. That my fa- that our family, and they printed up in an article that our family was never slaves, but I don't think all of us were not never slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, because my um, my ancestors came from the East Indies, and uh, what they did was they worked on the ship in order to obtain a fee to come across. They came across over in Beaufort County. And so they were what they call indigent servants. They worked for uh, their pay, you know, in order to come to America and their care in order to come to America. But I don't think, I think there were some slaves. Every blank girl you meet say, we are never slaves, but I think that some of them were slaves. But um, you're worth what you're paid to do the job that you do lets you know what you're worth. And uh, we were never paid anything because I remember when I used to work for 75 cents a day. And that was long after mother and those I was in were paid that 75 cents a week. But um, 75 cents a whole week. Or they would give 75. Now you know that's something. Mm-hmm. And you know that's something. What, what grew up in you? As long as I, if I could ever get from under my grandparents and could ever find a way to live a better life, that's what I was going to obtain, a better life. I knew that God didn't intend for it to be that way and that somehow or another 
I always felt that the root to my getting out of the the mess that I was in was an education. So, and Mother felt that way too, and that's why she tried to educate us. Um, she's she's sent every one of her children to college, and she sent her boys in the in the in the service and. In service, they didn't didn't always follow what she wanted them to do, but she did try. She'd send every one of us to college, and she sent all the boys in the military. Then, if a girl got pregnant in high school, they would put them out, and Kenneth would fight for them to stay in there. He, he he wasn't thought very highly of by the school system, because he would fight for him to stay in there and finish school. And I think it was um, what Mother's trying to tell you. It was about that time that Gayla was, and Gayla was a smart student, a very smart student. And they were going to put her out, but he fought. He had his he had their parents to fight for that girl to stay in school, and she and he, and they kept her in school. It was a mess. See, about that time, also, uh, schools were beginning to get integrated, and so Gayla. So you you when you went to school, it was still segregated. Yes, it was segregated the whole time I went to school. When I went to school, but the first year I was at Shaw, this was during that era. Dr. Martin Luther King was uh, leading the marches in. Uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, and all over the United States, that that was a thing going because he uh, a lot of black people didn't believe in what he was doing. They had never seen this done before, and you know how hard it is for us to accept something new. So he had a lot of fight against them. So what he used, what helped him, was the college kids. The college kids um, had a different idea that they were going to fight for the freedom and, and support him. And so we did. i never forget that I was at Shaw at the time. Um, before I came, before I went to Shaw, down here you go to Newburn, you couldn't go to the restaurants, you could go to McClellan's, but you couldn't sit down and order your food. They had black and white bathrooms, you had to sit in the back of the bus. But by the time I went to Shaw, uh, they had done away with that. Uh, the parks lady down in Mississippi, she had broken that thing where you could sit all over the bus. But there were still restrooms and so forth. And well, I was I was arrested at. Well, we were at a prayer meeting one night in Shaw, and. Um, students said that some of the students in there said that they wanted somebody to go all the way, that is to cross the the line to uh, get arrested. So there were six of us at prayer meetings so we volunteered to cross the line. And so on the next night we went downtown. At Geno's you couldn't you could order your food from the outside, but you couldn't go on the inside. Mm. 
So I crossed the line to go into Janos. And when I crossed the line to go into Janos and refused to come out, they had a petty wagon to put us in. And they took us to jail. And um, that night after six of us volunteered, later on, some more kids did the same thing. So that night, I think it was about 90-something kids that volunteered after we volunteered. But we stayed in jail three days. We refused to eat. And uh, every night after we got out, there was a march downtown. The dogs were out there. The, um, the people would, and it was students from other colleges, from North Carolina State and the other colleges that were around us. They were marching on the other side against us, and we were marching on the opposite side. Wait, so you say, like, the students at, like, North Carolina State were marching against? Mm-hmm. Some of them were, yeah. They were. They had their line. White students. White students. We had our line, and they and and it was white students and people from out of the communities. Mm-hmm. People from out of the communities. On our side, there were black students and people from out of the communities. We would march, but we were told to be nonviolent in every way, not to say anything to them, not even to respond to what they did to us. And we didn't. We did not respond. And it was a peaceful march for on our part. But they were just hollering all kind of names and niggas this and niggas that and so forth. So uh, this happened until uh, that was my that was my freshman year in college. Yeah, I never forget when I got arrested. Um, uh, the six of us. I was in the front of the jail cell, and when they took the picture, they took a picture of me. And so it appeared in the paper down in Arapahoe. Mother got scared. She got scared to death because, because Harry Rawls, who was my, my daddy's tenant, who my daddy farm with, he saw me. And he recognized who I was, and he mentioned it was Sarah. But he didn't, he didn't really like me in there, because one night I was, um, one night I was, we were out in the street, and he came to get my daddy to go work for him at night, mm-hmm. take tobacco out of the barn. And somebody said, who is that? And I said, Harry Rawls. And ain't nobody but Harry Rawls. And he recognized my voice, so he didn't like me after that. <laughs> so... But he mentioned it to Mother that he saw me in that jail cell, you know. And Mother and I were nervous and scared about it, but I wasn't scared. But, so what, when, um, I mean, what what was that like, huh? that crossing crossing the line? And, I mean, where did you, why I, was it, why were you I scared? I got arrested at a Geno's in, in Raleigh, a pizza place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't scared because I was I was determined that I would do what I could in order for us to obtain our freedom. I felt that if we didn't do it then, then when? 
you know. And I didn't want to continue to live in a society where we were treated the way we were treated. And I figured we had to do something about it as young people, since the older adults were afraid that it had gone on long enough. And uh, and uh, so I, I wasn't scared, not one bit. I wasn't scared. I was determined that I was going to do something. And that's why... We were the first six kids who decided that we would cross the line. And cross the line was when I say cross the line. That meant was whatever line they drew that we were not supposed to cross, we would cross, we would cross it. And uh, at Gino's, we were not supposed to go in the store. But we went in the store. And we ordered the food, but we were never given the food. They called their law on us, and the petty wagon came and got us and took us to jail. And uh, we stayed in jail, like I said, for three days. And uh, we stayed, they tried to get us to come out. We would not come out. Uh, the, the people in jail tried to get you to come out or? The jail, the people that uh, were jail, the people who were in charge of the jails, mm -hmm. who were in control, they tried to get, to get us to come out. We wouldn't come out. It was a teacher who worked with us, and she was negotiating and talking with them, and she said that she would let us know when we had accomplished what we wanted to accomplish and when we were to come out. So we stayed there three days, refusing to eat or refusing to come out. And then when we finally came out, there were about 100 and something on us on the doorsteps in Raleigh. Um all the news was there and everything and so forth. And we had spokespersons who spoke for us and tell, told them how we felt and why, why our purpose for being there and so forth. But it was an organized, um, it was an organized march. And we were told we would, we would meet together um, earlier in the evening and we would organize and say what we wanted to do, what we wanted to accomplish, and how we wanted to accomplish. And then we'd move out in the streets, and we would do what we had talked about doing. But um, And it went on for about two weeks. And not only was this happening in Raleigh, it was happening in Greensboro. People like, um, 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 what's the name, down, uh, down in Memphis, Chicago, uh, that was at A and T. Um, the of the the Greensboro Four. Yeah, they were there. They they had to sit in there, and so forth. So it was it was happening simultaneously all over everywhere. There were students who were marching uh, in order for it to be effective. Man, I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. You know, you can read a book, you can watch a movie, but when you hear a firsthand account, I think it affects you just a little bit differently. So thankful that they were able to share their stories. I can promise you in the next episode, we'll dive a little bit deep into their stories. If you like what we're doing, like, subscribe, share, review, tweet, comment, retweet, all of that good stuff. You can find us now on Spotify. You can find us on Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn, so many different platforms that you can find us please tell a friend and tell them to tell a friend objects in the mirror until next time you take care